Welcome to Language During Mealtime. Certified speech-language pathologist and children's book author Becca Eisenberg brings you creative professionals from the language learning and children's education field. With these ideas, parents can help their children with special needs improve language and reading abilities. Hi, my name is Becca Eisenberg. Welcome to my podcast, Language During Mealtime, episode number 52. Today, I'll be interviewing Amanda Morin. She is author of four books. Her first book, Everything, The Everything Parents Guide to Special Education. Her second book, The Everything Kids Learning Activities book. Her third book, On the Go Fun for Kids. And her fourth book, which we're going to be talking about today, What is Empathy? Amanda is a former classroom teacher, education writer, and special education advocate. She serves as an in-house advisor for understood.org, where she teaches about using empathy as a tool to embrace inclusion. So thank you so much for being here today, Amanda. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to talk about your book because I feel like that your book, What is Empathy? A Bullying Storybook for Kids. It's such an interesting, it's such an interesting book. And I think it's so appropriate right now. I mean, I think empathy is appropriate anytime, but especially now during this pandemic. So I wanted to start off um, just talking a little bit about your book, talking about just a little quick synopsis and your inspiration behind it. Sure. So the book is told from two perspectives and it's always interesting to me that it has, um, it's called a bullying storybook because it's actually an anti-bullying storybook, but I always, and always want to make that clear to people. It's an anti-bullying book and it's, it's told from two perspectives. So it's about two girls, Sophia and Ava, who have been best friends for ever. And when one of them moves away, another girl comes along and sort of becomes friends with Ava and it really causes some relational problems between all of the girls. There's some, you know, bullying, indirect bullying. There's some um, leaving out and, and those kinds of things. But what I did with the stories, I told it through two perspectives. So the book is split in two ways. The first time you read Sophia's story and how she's she's perceiving everything, how it's affecting her, how how things go for her, who she talks to. And then it's told again, and it's told through Ava's perspective. So we can hear the same story from a different perspective and see what it feels like from her side. Um, and for me, that was sort of a, a moment when I realized that I, I had to get it right. Because when we talk about empathy, I think that it's really often we're trying to teach people empathy without showing empathy. And I didn't want to write another children's book that felt sort of like you were really just hammering home the message. I wanted to take kids through the journey of empathy. I wanted to give them the ability to see the other perspective themselves so they could not only learn about empathy and they could learn about how to respond to other people, but also see that there is more than one side to a story. There are often more than many sides to a story, but I thought it was good to be able to see two sides. I played around doing it through a third character for a while and it just didn't work. We needed to see what was happening with both Sophia and Ava. I love that. I love the different perspectives because I think that, you know, that is what empathy is, is understanding a different perspective. And I just thought that was such an interesting twist to it. And it was a surprise for me when I was reading it with my daughter, you know, we read the first part and then the second part and it was, it just leads to so many great discussions. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is the word empathy, 
because I think for a lot of parents out there who are listening, you know, I just want to talk a little bit more about the definition of empathy and the difference between what empathy and sympathy is. Because I think a lot of times, you know, kids will ask, well, you know, could you tell me exactly what is empathy? Um, So if you could talk a little bit more about the difference between it and the actual definition of empathy. Sure. I think empathy is a big word, right? It's a big word to describe a lot of things. You'll hear people talking about it as walking in somebody else's shoes or seeing through somebody else's eyes. But when I think about empathy, I really think of the word compassion. Because when I'm thinking about empathy, I think what empathy is, is the ability to sort of be a detective, be compassionate, and see that there are other perspectives, being curious, being kind, and understanding that somebody is going through an experience that that makes them feel something. And even if you aren't having that same experience, you can relate to them in some way. You can connect to them through empathy. So the difference between empathy and sympathy in my mind is that empathy is being with somebody in that experience. And sympathy is sort of a feeling sorry for somebody. And I don't think there's anything wrong with feeling sorry for someone. We often do feel sorry when people are in different circumstances and we feel sorry for them. But when you feel sorry for somebody instead of with somebody, you're sort of separating yourself out a little bit and saying, this is happening to to you and I feel bad that this is happening to you as opposed to this is happening to you. I want to understand it and I want to be able to support you. So in my mind, that's the difference between sympathy and empathy. When it comes to your child or working with students or, or the, that kind of thing, I think that sympathy, especially when, you, you know, and I work a lot with kids who um, have disabilities. And so oftentimes I really want to stress the idea that sympathy gives you an opportunity to lower expectations for students and kids because you're looking at them and saying, I'm sorry, this is so hard for you. But empathy gives you the opportunity to really feel with them and sort through what they're feeling and how to help solve it without lowering your expectations because you can say, I know this is really hard for you. Let's talk through why and find some solutions to make this a little bit easier. Yeah, I I can't agree with you more because, you know, I work um, with children and adults with disabilities as well. And I think there is a real big difference between sympathy and empathy. I mean, I say to, you know, the kids I'm working with and the adults, like, listen, I I get that this is hard. I understand that you're feeling, you know, frustrated, you're feeling this, let's work this out together. And I just think overall empathy, you know, when parents are talking to their kids about empathy, I also think that kids learn through modeling. So, you know, watching their parents be empathetic is also, you know, I I think just super important. So I just think, you know, during, especially during this pandemic, you know, everyone is having such strong feelings right now, you know, even within one day, you know, you could be happy, you could be anxious, and then you could be upset. And, you know, and and it's, it's a lot. And I think that, you know, it, it's just a great time to really sit and talk about being empathetic because, you know, when you have a household of a household of people who are right. all having different strong feelings, it's, I think it's even more like, it's such an important time to talk about empathy. Well, you know, maybe like one child is having, is maybe upset because it, online learning is frustrating, right? Right. Well, I understand right. that we may not be able to fix, I mean, maybe I'll be exactly fix that, but we could try to work on some solutions to make it a little bit less frustrating. I get that. And I think a lot of people just want to be heard. Um, yes. And yes. that's something we can't always resolve. There's like, you know, there's only certain things we could control. But I think, 
I don't know, for me, like as a parent is like being empathetic to, to the kids is and I think, really yeah helpful. Go ahead. Yeah. And I think that you don't always need to solve. I think like as parents, we jump into this fix it mode kind of automatically, right? Okay. Let's fix this before we even listen. And that's just, I think like parent protective mode, right? You want to make things yeah. better for your mm-hmm. child. And sometimes empathy is not about fixing it. It's about listening. Um, and I think, you know, your example of everybody having these up and down emotions right now is perfect because we're all having these different emotions all at different times, but most of them are being experienced. Like we're, my experience is probably very similar to yours emotionally. And where I am right now might be different where you, than where you are, but I can understand where you are because I probably was there 10 minutes ago. You know, I think we have this <laughs> opportunity to say, I know how that feels because that's how I felt a couple of minutes ago or I, yeah. that's how I felt last night, right? We have that, that chance. You know, one of the things that I really stress with my own kids when it comes to empathy is this idea of the, the platinum rule instead of the golden rule. So the golden rule is like treat others like you want to be treated. But the platinum rule is to treat others how they need to be treated. So for me, it's about like figuring out what the other person needs from you right now. And if you can, if you can provide that to do that, as opposed to assuming they need the same thing you would need in that situation. That's a hard concept for kids. I mean, it's a hard concept for anybody to realize that you know, we're not all thinking the same thing at the same time, but for kids, that's really, really hard. So it's a, you know, it's a thing that they develop over time. But one of the things that I really was trying to do with the book was to show people that what you think somebody's thinking may not actually be what they're thinking, you know? So to be able to ask the question and to get some more background is really an important part of empathy as well. And just kind of piggybacking on that, I also think now with you know, all of, you know, texting and, you know, video conferencing and emails and really not so much face-to-face communication. It's, I think it's even harder to interpret social cues. And I think it's even, you know, as far as, you know, just empathy, you know, you could misinterpret um, so many, like for kids, misinterpreting emails or misinterpreting how things went. Um, And, you know, I, I was just wondering if you had any, tips for parents as far as any sort of activities to help build empathy? I think that's a really good example because I think even adults have problems with the interpreting like emails and things like that. And I know that, you know, for myself, I have to take a step back and sort of look at it again. And I think that's one thing that parents can definitely do, especially when it comes to text messages or emails, is to be a second set of eyes to so sort of teach their child to say, I'm not sure I'm understanding what this means. Can you look at this and tell me what what you think they're saying or, you know, what tone you think this is here. But there's also other ways you can do that too. You know, you can um, practice emotions. So you can practice emotional emotion words, what words go with what emotion. So sad, we know what sad looks like, but it can also have different words that go with it. I'm feeling blue. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling, I don't have a lot of energy. So we can match those kinds of words to emotions too. Um, one of the things that I actually love best to do, but just because it's a lot of fun, is to watch TV without the sound off and do like an emotion check with my kids in the in the TV. Sort of like, what do you think that character's feeling by looking at their face and their body language? Um, you know, that's not as easy to do over text, but I think like the other thing you can do too is you can do it backwards and turn the closed captions on and say, 
what do you think they're feeling based on their face and their words? So you can then start connecting the two as well. Um, And then I also think just we need to teach kids words about emotions. We need to be able to teach them different ways to express what they're feeling. You know, you talked about frustration, and I think that's a word that kids don't often use. You know, they know when they're angry, they know when they're sad, they know when they're happy. And then we need, it's our job as parents to start building that vocabulary. That sounds like you're really frustrated right now. I, I would be frustrated in your situation. So I sentences tend to be better than you sentences. Like, I don't ever want to tell a child how they feel. Um, so I'm, I try very hard to say, you know, if I were, if this happened to me or when this happened to me, I felt like this. So I can give them a jumping off point. Um, and it also is a way to sort of back away a little bit from the situation because sometimes when you use you sentences, it can really make people feel defensive, sort of this, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you yelled at me is really different than I felt hurt when you, when I heard you yell, you you know, it it has a different feel to it too. Yeah, I, I totally, I totally agree with, I totally agree with that. So a lot of times, even just as an adult, if someone tells me how I'm feeling, it does create like a defensive kind of feeling instead of being able to express your, just be able to express yourself. And then, you know, just also talking about frustration. I think also a lot of kids are experiencing anxiety as well because, um, and I think, that's kind of another feeling, a, a definitely common feeling among <laughs> show many people in the household during, you know, during this time. And so, you know, we talk about labeling that feeling. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that's, that's been helpful is that, you know, we could all kind of relate to each other because maybe, yes. you know, one person is, is anxious about one thing and maybe a parent could be anxious about something else, um, but it's still the same word. So I think using the right words is definitely helpful, you know, using, you know, using as far as these feeling words go. And I think too, to match those feeling words to um, how your body is feeling is really helpful too. Um, You know, I actually, you know, it's been, it's been an anxious time. It's been an anxious time in our house. It's been an anxious time for the world. And I was having sort of like these hot, like flashes throughout my body where I would get like really, my body would feel physically sick. And I realized it was an anxiety reaction, but I didn't know that at first I was like, wow, I'm sick. Now I'm not sick. Now I am sick. Now I'm not sick. And it took me a while to realize that that was anxiety. So to be able to, you know, when a kid says to you, I'm feeling anxious to help them to like see what their body's doing at the same time can help them sort of identify those emotions too. You know, I notice when you tell me you're anxious, that your foot is jumping up and down a lot, you know, or I notice when you tell me you're anxious, your face is really red, you know, just those kinds of things. So they can start feeling, feeling the feelings as well as labeling them is really helpful too. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with that. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, I thought your illustrations were so interesting in the book. It was, I just thought they were really different and really unique. And I was just wondering, you know, just if you could talk a little bit about your collaboration with the illustrator. Sure. So it's really interesting. So John Joseph did the illustrations on this book and they are amazing. I am just, I could not be happier with these. I didn't actually have any direct contact with the illustrator. My editor found the illustrator and she was great in looking for somebody who could do really expressive faces and really convey emotion through body language. Um, 
and what I had to do, and I it's, it was actually kind of hard for me because I think in the words more than I do in pictures, was describe what I was looking for on the page to go with the words. And so I would put in an image description and John would come back with an image and it was just like he could just get inside my head and bring it to life. And so his ability to take what I had said, read through the text and just like create these characters and show how they are feeling just adds this dimension to the story that I just, I could not even be more pleased about or happier to see. Um, And I'm really pleased that my editor found this amazing illustrator. It's always so amazing to me to see that we can work, you know, asynchronously and that somebody can really get something enough to really bring it to life. Um, And it's funny because I'm going to have to find him to just thank him. You know, I haven't had that opportunity to reach out and thank him for really doing such an amazing job with these illustrations. I think they really just bring the book to life in a way I could not have even anticipated. It really is just, I mean, we talk about bringing out the feelings. I mean, looking at the book and looking not only at their facial expressions, but like how their body language yeah. Uh, you know, what their yeah. body language looks like, like, you know, a lot of times if someone's sad, they'll slumped over a little bit. Um, I, I just feel like they're really, really expressive. And for parents out there who, you know, I encourage to purchase this book is when you're, you know, when you're reading the book, just using that as, as a starting point of a discussion. Cause I, you know, reading this book, I could, you know, I could definitely relate to some of those situations when I was in school. And and it's a very common situation a lot of kids could relate to. Yeah. And it's interesting because I had some feelings about writing it (laughs) because it sort of brought me back to when I was a kid. Um, And at the same time, I also used my 10-year-old as a guinea pig to say, "Would, would a kid actually say this right now? And he was so great about saying, Mom, nobody ever says anything like that. And I said, what would they say instead? So I had the opportunity to have my own my own little researcher on the side, too. Um, but with the, the body language, it was so interesting to be able to just say, I'm looking for this emotion and see that that the illustrator could just do that in this amazing way. I'm always just so enthralled by other artists and what they can do with their their art, because it's, it's always amazing to me to see how we can really express things differently. And to your point about parents using it as a jumping off point. I think that's perfect. Because I think the interesting thing about this book is that it is pretty long. It's long when you put the two stories together. And I think there are different ways you can use it. One of which is, you know, it's a really good book to read to kids, um, depending on their their attention span, you may have to read one story and then take a break and then read the other one. And for other kids, if they are not in a place where they want to be read to right now, you can have them tell you the story just by looking at the pictures, which is super fun and really, you know, as you know, a really good language tool to be able to have them tell you a story through the pictures. One of the things I did want to bring up, which I thought was a great part of the story, is the glasses scene. Because I know that one of the ways you describe empathy, one of the the moms describe empathy is seeing through somebody else's eyes. And right. so, you know, one of the characters, Sophia, putting glasses on Ava to see it through her eyes. Because a lot mm-hmm. of kids are also really concrete. Right. And so sometimes when you're saying something as an adult to your child, it, they, you know, you feel like it's a saying, you know, in all your life. 
And it right. seems, you know, like, like they, they would know that. But when you say to a child, say, you know, you want someone to see it through your eyes. And I love that, you know, you, you kind of played that out in the book as far as her trying to put the glasses on her friends by really taking that in a concrete way. And a lot of kids do take, you know, some of these like sayings very concretely. Right. And, you know, we sometimes forget that. And that's kind of another way of explaining. I thought it was just really interesting. I thought it was really um, a good example. Thank you. That was actually the one kernel of an idea that I had to start with all of this was this idea that when we talk about empathy, we use phrases that really are could be taken very literally. Things like seeing through somebody else's eyes or walking in somebody else's shoes. And I was thinking about how kids don't always know what those things mean. Exactly what you just said, this ability to make the literal abstract is really hard. And so when I was thinking through like, what do kids need to know about empathy? I started thinking about all of those phrases that we use and realized that in order to really help them understand empathy, I had to explain those phrases. I had to kind of get them out of the way and make sure people, you know, unpack them a little bit. And in order to do that, I had to show what the literal meant to get past it. Do you know what I mean? It was this this moment where I went, aha, so what would that look like in real life? How could we show how that phrase doesn't actually mean what it sounds like? And then yeah. get to the point where you can understand what it really does sound like. What it, I mean, what it really means, not what it sounds like. Yeah. No, but I, I think it's a really good example because I know it's happened in my house. You know, as far as like mm-hmm. me saying a certain phrase and then not realizing that it could be taken in a really different way. So it reminds thought, me of the uh, Amelia Bedelia books. I was thinking oh, of Amelia Bedelia. Amelia Bedelia, yeah. <laughs> I and I was them. thinking about how she used to take everything literally. So I, I, I had some inspiration there. I think <laughs> from Amelia I Bedelia. Love I love that. So can you talk a little bit about your position understood as an in-house advisor? Because I know that you have, you know, written a lot about empathy. Yeah. So I do a lot of things at understood.org. My official title is I'm writer and senior expert family advocacy and education. So I do a lot of writing specifically for both parents and educators. And I'm taking really sort of important ideas ideas that parents and educators need to know in order to work with their kids and breaking them down into smaller, more digestible chunks of information. One of the reasons for that is because understood is geared towards um, parents and families and educators who are working with students who learn and think a little bit differently. Um, And so we also know that families whose kids have learning disabilities, often it's they run in families. So I'm trying to make the information as easy to understand and as practical as possible. Um, so one of the things I do is a lot of that writing, and I love it. I love to be able to write. I love to provide actionable information. And I also do a lot of teacher training. So right, we have a teacher fellowship program where we're working with teachers across the nation. And I actually do an empathy training with them where I talk through how empathy can be used to really understand the struggles of kids who have learning disabilities and things like ADHD and dyslexia. Um, And one of the tools we have on the site is called Through Your Child's Eyes. And it's actually sort of an interesting like gaming simulation, if you will, to try and understand what it might feel like a little bit to have some of these conditions or issues. Um, And so for me, it was just sort of a natural progression to write a book about empathy. Um, 
I'm a fairly empathetic person to start with. And I also just saw there was such a need in the world for it that when I realized how well people were responding to this in trainings and responding to the the um, information that I was writing for the site, I thought now's the time to take that a little bit further and put it out in the wider world as well. Yeah, and for for parents out there, I mean, I go to understood.org all the time. I mean, there's tons of really, really great information um, there. I mean, just throughout the site. And plus there's, you know, all different, you know, there's all different information there for parents and for teachers. Um, it's just like, a, it's, it's a really, really wonderful website. Um, so is there anything else that you wanted to talk about before we finish up today? I think I just wanted to touch a little bit on the idea of bullying, because one of the things that's interesting in this book is that it doesn't go into physical bullying and it doesn't go into the name calling necessarily. And I think I wanted to just really touch on the fact for both parents and kids to realize that bullying can come in a multitude of forms, right? So relationships and and people excluding others can be a form of bullying. And that empathy and perspective taking and that ability to see somebody else's perspective and where they're coming from, it does not excuse people's bullying. And I really want to make that clear, that it's a way to start understanding each other and to see where there might be misunderstandings. But if a child is being bullied, it is okay to say something. You should always talk to somebody about it. And if you think your child is bullying, bullied, you should always have that conversation with them because I want everyone to feel safe. And I don't think understanding another perspective means you shouldn't feel safe as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because especially now, you know, because people are really not seeing each other. It's just all virtual at this point. And it's, and bullying, even when we're not in school could still go on, even if if it's online. So that's for parents to know as well. So that's a, a really good point. Yeah, I'm I'm just excited that that people have an opportunity to really start exploring this with their kids and um, and that that we're having this conversation because I think it's just it's it's so important for us to start figuring out how we're going to um, go back out into the world and be really great people when we get out there. Exactly. Exactly. I know. I I think for adults, I mean, empathy is just something that we're practicing throughout our entire life. No matter, you know, it's something that we're going to help our our children understand. But, you know, like we were talking before, it starts with us as parents and showing empathy for other people. Um, I was just recently even having a conversation about, because I do a lot of parent training, is, is empathy is just a huge part of it. Because, you know, I was talking to another therapist about it that, you know, you may not have, let's say if you're having a session and we don't know how that person is feeling on the other side. We don't know what they're dealing with on the other side. So sometimes people could have different emotions and it doesn't mean that they are upset at you. It means that they could be dealing with other something, something different. So it's like I was explaining to my, to my kids, you know, it's like, we have to, we don't know what's going on with other people. We have to continue to be empathetic and try to understand what they may be going through that they're not talking about. 
And I think that the not talking about part is really important too, because we can teach kids to be empathetic. We can model empathy. We can show them how to start asking questions about it, but we also need to let them know that sometimes people don't want to talk about what's going on with them. And that's okay too, that it's okay to say, I'm not ready to talk about it. And then to realize that they're still going through something when they're not talking about it. Um, I find that that is something that's really hard for kids to understand. And I think, of course it is because they want answers when they want answers. So um, it's just important to, to let them know that sometimes, sometimes you, you may not know what somebody's going through, but you just have to, to give them a little, you, a little grace. Um, and I also think that the other part of that is actually I had a thought and I lost it. Speaking of empathy, be a little empathetic for me to find that thought again. <laughs> um, I, I think the other part of that, too, is that we're not always going to be our best empathetic selves, but it doesn't mean you can't start over again and do it the next time. And that's a really important lesson for kids, too. And parents can model that by just coming back and saying, you know what, I didn't handle that the way I wished I had. This is what I wish I'd done instead. And so let's start over. Exactly. That's that's a term that we use in my house all the time. We start over. Yes. And that's okay. And it's okay. Yeah. So, well, thank yeah. you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk with you. And, you know, I, I think your book is such a wonderful teaching tool and it's, it's timeless because it's thank something you. no matter, you know, in, in yeah. 10, 20 years from now, it's still going to be relatable. So I, yeah. I think it's, it's just a, it's a wonderful book. So for anyone out there, um, Definitely, you know, look at what is empathy, it, a bullying storybook for kids, and it's available on your on your website, amandamorin.com, and also available through Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, right? Yep, it's available, I think, in most bookstores. You can ask your independent local bookstore. I think it's going to be available in Target um, next week as well. So pretty much anywhere you can find books, you can find this one. I'm excited. um, Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. It was such a pleasure. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Listen and learn with us at Language Sharing Mealtime. Time.